The gospel lesson comes to us from the good news according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. As the disciples were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And this is the gospel of our Lord. start with a question this morning. Have you ever felt unwelcome somewhere or unwelcome by someone? Unwelcome, unwanted, uninvited. I've been trying to think of times and places this week where I felt deeply unwelcome. And honestly, I couldn't think of many. Maybe it's because I happen to be a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant man, and the American world and culture has more or less been made in my image. Maybe it's because I'm personally open and adaptable in lots of new, unfamiliar situations. I love trying to disarm people with charm. Or maybe I've just been lucky. I was trying to find times that I felt really unwelcome. I thought about one time. I was with friends at a cheap bar in a strip mall in an exurban part of a small town in Missouri, And the room was full of blue-collar folks listening to country music when I decided it would be funny to sneak Jay-Z's 99 Problems onto the jukebox. I felt pretty unwelcome after that. Yeah, Brian was there. And they did not have my back. Um, They told me that. They're like, you're on your own for this one. See, that feeling of unwelcome, though, was my fault and deserved probably, right? I thought about a time in South Korea when I was living there for a summer with my father I was out in Seoul alone and a little lost when some boys started following me and making fun of me in a language I couldn't speak. I felt pretty unwelcome there. But then the rest of my summer in Korea, I might as well have been a good luck charm or a hero for the way the little old ladies would pat my blonde hair on the head and, you know, tweak my cheeks and say hi to you, talk to you. So most of my experience there was pretty great. I think the one I found, I thought about the time that same summer in Korea, my father took me into into the demilitarized zone between South and North Korea. And after touring all of the barbed wire everywhere and the barricades and learning of all the buried explosive devices and the rifle towers and hearing the loudspeakers that blared propaganda toward us from North Korea at high decibels, 
I was eventually walked into a particular room that was used as a safe space for negotiation between the two parties. And in that room, half of the room was South Korea, the South half, if you were guessing, you're right. And the other half was North Korea, the North half. And you could walk around the table so that you found yourself a few yards actually in North Korean territory. And the soldiers from North Korea would be watching you from the window with their scary weapons, staring at you threateningly, waiting for you to make a wrong move. That's it. That's probably the most unwelcome I've ever felt. Have you ever felt unwelcome somewhere or by someone? I'll bet you have. What was that like? How's it feel? How did you react or get through it? Did you leave or bow up or confront? Did you hide? It's important to reflect on things like this, perhaps especially at church, because the church has often been a place where people feel unwelcome. We can and we should reflect on why that is, and we actually will in a lot more detail next week. But the reasons, let's say, have certainly included things like racism and other various discriminations against those who are different, treating outsiders as enemies rather than invitees on the guest list, moral superiority and self-righteousness, or even just you know, a more simple default insider culture where you say things a certain way, you do things a certain way, and only the people that have the insider knowledge know or are invited to understand. And see, the fact that this happens in so many churches and faith communities and other places in the world is one of the reasons that we're doing a fall sermon series now as a newly merged congregation, reflecting on what kind of church we hope God will make us into. And rather than just having surface goals and visions and values, I said last week that we are seeking to see God himself give us life to help us become a harvest of righteousness. Using the Bible's own agricultural metaphors, we began talking about going deeper, not just what can we be busy doing, but who can we become. Going deeper, learning to deeply abide in Christ like branches in a life-giving vine. And to that end, we are asking God, as we connect to him deeply on a deep level, that he would grow fruit in us and that these fruits would look like these three virtues, the virtues of welcome and worship and witness. To believe that if people were to participate in our life together, that God would make them more a person and people of welcome, of worship and witness. And I'll remind you quickly, and we'll do this often this fall, maybe not every week, but in a time of great division, we seek to welcome all people into God's love in Christ and into his family. In a time of disintegration, we seek to worship the God of love in the unity of our whole being and in the integration of our entire lives. And in a time of despair, we seek to witness in word and deed to the ongoing work of God and his holistic kingdom in this world. And I ask you if we could dig deep beneath the surface of typical issues, to get down beneath the soil and to dig up the rocks or the leftover appliances if you have a Brooklyn backyard, those sorts of things, and to get them out that we might be more deeply rooted and have more room to grow into the life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who does make us bear fruit. And so this morning we consider for two weeks, starting today, welcome. 
See, despite my luck, the world is often a place of deep unwelcome, maybe for most people. Think of like even the news in Iran this week, just all the places where if you don't do the right thing or say the right thing or be the right way, present just the right thing, then you are not welcome. In most places, only a certain type of person is let in, someone from the same class, someone who's like-minded or looks alike or committed to the same principles and rules. And again, the church has often not been much better. But digging deeper again, beneath the surface, why is that? Why is it so easy for every type of group anywhere, nation, club, college, church, to kind of default to being unwelcoming? What's underneath that? And here's where I get to the actual hard part. I don't hope to freak you out, but I do hope to be honest and see if it speaks to some of your own deeper feelings and thoughts. As I was reflecting on when do I feel unwelcome, I realized something. It's a sad and terrible realization. I was racking my brain, searching my life story, thinking about when I felt deeply unwelcome, and you know what I realized? Most of my felt experiences, and here's the way I say this, most of my felt experiences and my thoughts of being unwanted or uninvited or unwelcome the most regular, repeated, and profound personal sense of not being invited and welcome have been actually in my relationship with God. That is, I felt or thought myself to be uninvited into his presence, his company, his life, his power, his pleasure. Or at least into the fullness of his presence and life. You can believe the good news. You can believe the gospel. You can say these things to yourself over and over again, and you should and you must. And yet deep down somewhere, it still feels like, well, God really loves me. He's really good. I'm into the stadium of his kingdom and family, and I, I believe this thing. I can hear the message, but I certainly am up here in the nosebleeds. You know, I'm in the club, but I'm in the outer room, in the outer court, I'm not getting backstage. I'm not getting into the inner circle. That seems to be for others. They seem to just be, they just seem to have it together. They seem to be so close to God. They seem to be so blessed by God. They seem to be so happy. I must be missing out on something deeper. Have any of you ever felt this? Maybe just a physical or emotional sense in your bones that you're actually kind of alone in life and you're, you know, you got to do it on your own. Maybe a more profound sense of God's absence or disinterest. Have you ever thought thoughts like, man, I'm too sinful, I'm too messed up, I'm too broken for him to want or to love or at least to fix? Maybe you felt not important enough for him to pay attention to. He's got things like, you know, the whole cosmos and wars and poverty and all sorts of things to pay attention to. You ever felt these things? I'll bet you have. Because you're human, just like me. Probably some of you feel or think some of those things this morning. Maybe some of you are here, and you don't consider yourself a Christian, or at least you no longer consider yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus. 
but you're here for some reason this morning. Felt a vague spiritual tug. You're searching. You're wondering, well, what's this God thing about? You might not even ask the question, but deep down you might wonder, am I invited? And if I am invited, to what exactly am I invited? And so again, dig deeper, Jameson. Why is it? Why is it that we don't think or feel welcomed into God's presence? And for me, it actually has something to do, I think, with certain things that I was either taught or picked up or twisted in my own way over the years through my own personal issues, <laughs> through a sensitive, overly sensitive conscious or whatever it may be, or a deep desire to please and not fail God or others, or what have you, and it goes something like this, I think deep down there's some part of me that actually thinks God is a little bit like that demilitarized zone in North Korea. It goes something like this, and it might be different for you, but for me, something like this. God is so pure. He is so holy. And because he's so pure and so holy, he can't get anywhere near anything like sin, because, you know, if you take white paint and put a little black on it, it's not white and pure anymore. And because of that, he is full of wrath, and it's wrath against any shortcoming or failure or impurity. And if I get too close to him in my current state, I'll be annihilated immediately by his perfect presence. And so I better watch where I step, not make any sudden movements. His holiness weaponized, in other words. And of course, in a gospel presentation, you might hear that, and then you would hear, Yes, this is all true. God can't tolerate or touch or be near sin. But Jesus became human like us, and he was annihilated on the cross by God's wrath against sin, and that he suffered death as our punishment, but he rose from the dead to forgive us and bring us new life and into God's presence. And guess what? It is true. This is indeed one of the ways that the New Testament talks about what Jesus has done for us and is doing for us and how to receive what he's done for us and live in this way. The Bible, from beginning to end, talks about God's work in the world, especially through Jesus, in many, many ways. We get into things like atonement theory and all this stuff. It's complicated, but you can at least say that it's like a diamond and that there are many facets and views looking in. All kinds of themes to unwrap, and that is certainly one of them. But if you're like me, for whatever reason, if you are here this morning, you need to hear this. It is easy for that to be the only and predominant note that you hear, such that you cower and hide in shame and you feel never welcomed into the fullness of God's life and love and pleasure. Because, you know, Jesus is holy too. And the more you read about him, the more you get to know him, the more you realize how beautiful and transcendent and life-giving and sacrificial he is. And then you think, well, I want to be like that. And you think, but I'm not. And it just starts to feel like you're not getting into the vine. You're not invited all the way. And so this morning, if you are anything like me or at any moment in your life, you feel or think those things, I want you to hear it again that this is good news. It's meant to be good news, not just that you believe, and not just that you feel, but one that transforms your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, your relationships, and you are welcome and invited to tap into that life, to be connected to it, to be never separated from it, and to abide in his love and pleasure in life. You need to hear that beyond just 
the message of the good news of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension on our behalf and with us and in compassion, that his current posture toward you is always one of deep, focused on you, and endless welcome. He is watching and waiting not to get you and zap you, but to welcome you. There are no restrictions or requirements to meet other than to say yes. Yes, Lord, I I will come in. If we want to become people of welcome in our lives and in our world, then we need to be deeply welcomed ourselves by God, moment by moment, day by day, week by week. And this is the good news, that God is a God of deep welcome. This is one of the deepest themes of God's work in the world from Genesis to Revelation and throughout church history as it's been proclaimed. That God himself is what we mean by welcome. Whatever that feeling is, whatever those think, thoughts are, whatever that relationship is, when you get to go into a place and you feel right at home with others and everything's going, you lose time, you're, on, like, you're, on, you're in the flow and everything's just happening and you don't know, that feeling, that thought, that experience, the source of that is God himself, the God of welcome. And I'm just going to take a minute here, not long, but just, just to sort of tee it up. God himself, before anything was created, before you and I existed, before this world was, existed as a society of oneness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one being, one essence, perfect fellowship and harmony and welcome. This sort of dance, it's called perichoresis is the word in Greek, where you go back and forth, this kind of flow between Father enjoying and praising the Son and welcoming the Son and the Son enjoying and praising the Father, the Spirit glorifying and enjoying the Father and the Son. And because there was so much overflow and so much joy and so much life and so much pleasure to be shared, God created this world and all that exists within it. We see this in Genesis 1 and 2. He wanted to welcome us into the bliss that Father, Son, and Spirit enjoy together. We call this shalom. When all things in the world are working together, the world itself, the creation, human beings, God. It was thoughtfully designed, labored over, called forth into being and meaning. It was welcomed. Then the tragic element of our experience after being welcomed into this loving cosmos of universal shalom is that we chose to put a barrier up to God. He had told us what it meant to be in the dance. These are the steps. Here are my words. Let me tell you how you can participate. And we said, no, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to dance on my own and do my own thing. And we put up this wall and immediately we felt vulnerable and ashamed and said, oh no, I'm on my own. I'm scared of you now. Adam's scared of Eve. She's scared of him. They're running into thorn bushes. They're trying to make coverings for themselves to hide. And you see the barriers come up. Fig leaves hiding behind bushes. When we put up a wall to God, we experience not being at home anymore, not being welcome in the world with one another. And yes, even with our own self, our own body, our own shame. That's all just by chapter 3 of Genesis. 
And you could read the whole Old Testament and see how it's just a story again and again of people putting up walls around their cities and putting up walls around their communities and put up walls between their kind and other kinds because they're afraid and they're hiding and they're trying to cover themselves up and they don't feel at home and safe and welcome in the world. And so there's murder and tribal thinking and warfare. And over and over again, God comes into this experience to tear down walls and to welcome people back into his presence. He's like, okay, let's get out of slavery. Let's go. I'm going to walk with you. Bring a moving tent. We'll be nomadic, and I'll walk you through this wilderness. And then now we've got a new land of our own. It's flowing with milk and honey. Let's put up a temple, and I'm going to live there, and you can come whenever you want. And over and over again, people take these things and abuse them and use them to leave others out. And God says, no, 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 no. It's for the whole nations. It's for the whole world. Everyone is welcome. And Jesus comes and does the same thing. Going out, breaking down walls, until in his death, he tears down the curtain where God's presence was located, signifying that it is now going out into the whole world by spirit and truth, wherever this gospel is proclaimed and lived out. He said that his ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people one to another and to God, is to go around and to tear down all the dividing walls of hostility that men have created between one another. God is a God of true and deep welcome because he's a God of perfect love. And he has desired, created, and designed so that if we will say yes to his welcome through Jesus, then we are meant to be in that divine life and to enjoy his presence. I'm just going to read you a couple passages. This happened right before the passage we read. But Jesus has just risen from the dead, and they think they've lost him. They think, man, God was specially present with this Jesus guy. We thought he was the one to bring the kingdom of shalom, of peace, of God's presence, the kingdom of God. But he died, and he's gone, and we're alone again. And they're walking. They're walking away from Jerusalem where they're not supposed to. They were told to wait. And they're talking about what had happened. It says, while they're walking and talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and he walked with them. But they didn't recognize him. Then he starts talking to them and asking them questions, kind of tries to elicit them out. Hey, what's on your mind? What's bothering you, brothers? And they're like, this is an interesting conversation. You want to come in and eat, stay the night with us? He said, yeah, let's go in. I'll come into your house. And then finally he's at table and he breaks bread and blesses it and gives it to them and it says their eyes were opened to recognize him. They said, our hearts were burning with us, within us while we walked and talked on the road, while he opened the scriptures. And then it says they ran back to Jerusalem to tell the others and they're reconciled with those they were walking away from to tell that Jesus is alive and they're gathered together. See, Jesus was walking with them and they didn't even know it. His presence was with them and they didn't recognize it. They were too focused on their own disappointments and dashed hopes. They thought he was dead. And he was right there with them the whole time, looking at them, watching, walking with, asking questions, teasing their deepest hopes out, and then revealing himself to them. Right after that happened, we read our passage. I won't reread it. But he does the same thing. He shows up in the middle of the room of the disciples and says, peace to you. And it says they're so startled and frightened. They thought they saw a spirit and they, 
He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? And you need to see the, see the compassion and the welcome and the pursuit of God through Jesus. That they are sitting there sad and depressed and thinking they're alone and that they're not welcome and God's not working anymore and they're not going to be a part of it. And he says, why? Why are you so troubled? Why are you doubting? That's what he says to you when you feel that way, when you think those things. Why? No, 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 no. Let me invite you. Let me invite you to believe so that you might have joy and experience me. Actually, come over here. Look, these are my hands and my feet. The ones you saw nailed up. They're here. You can see the wounds, but they're healed. Touch me, actually. I'm inviting you to come and put your hands on my body and be convinced. Can you imagine that? And then he says, can I eat with you? I'm hungry. So they gave him a piece of fish and he took and ate it before them. There's so much going on here, but Jesus is welcoming, welcoming them into his life, into faith, to be connected, to say, I am actually always with you. He even says that, well, I'm going to send the Spirit, it's going to get better for you. You won't have to go to a temple to find God anymore. You won't even have to live at this time in this place in ancient Israel to experience the voice of God through Jesus. No, I'm going to send my spirit and it's going to live in communities of faith called the ecclesia, the church. They're going to live in individuals. I will be with you. I will always walk with you. I will always be paying attention to you. I will always watch you. I will always be keeping you on the journey and drawing you out so that you don't give up and don't despair. And then he eats ordinary things using his body. They're welcome to touch his body inviting them to think about their physical reality as part of what is welcomed into life of faith, that our bodies matter, that what we do with our hands and our feet, washing ourselves, taking care of kids, serving, all of that is welcomed into God and into his kingdom of shalom. The Apostle Paul says that God is not far from any single person. And he's preaching to a whole bunch of people who aren't people of faith in the Areopagus. It is in him that we live and move and exist. Elsewhere it is said he is closer than our very next breath. How intimate can our relationship with God be? It's a matter of breath. As intimate as your own breathing. See, Jesus became present to us to remain with us forever. He always extended welcome. He still extends welcome. There are no restrictions or requirements on his end other than saying the yes of faith. Some of his teachings are, stand at the door and knock. I'm knocking. Open up. As soon as you open up, I'm coming in. Ask for whatever you want. I'll, I'll, you'll receive it. Seek. You will find. His favorite story was about a prodigal son that went away and the father stood waiting not to exclude the son, but for him to come home so that he could embrace him and throw a feast for him. Of course, Jesus did tear open the curtain, tear down the dividing walls of hostility. See, the resistance and barriers are always on our end. We're the ones hiding, putting up fig leaves, excluding others from our presence but not Jesus. And so the call is to move from exclusion 
to embrace. And it starts with believing that God's posture toward you is always and only and ever in the matchless, perfect presence of Jesus, yes, that you're united to Jesus by grace through faith. And that's not just something you say. It's not just a doctrine. It is a fact. It's a true. And it means you're united to him by the Spirit through faith. You are connected to Jesus. And so in Jesus, you always have access to God's presence. You are always welcome. There is nothing we need to fear. We are always welcome to him. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. There is no moth or rust there to destroy. No strong man who can outstrength Jesus of Nazareth. There is nothing to fear. No reason to hide. No good, no good reason to still live in shame. If we fear nothing and no one, not even our own darknesses and failures, then perhaps, like God, we can become more holy, more pure, more full of love, more intentional, more spontaneous too, more overwhelmingly and deeply and spiritually welcoming to one another and to the world. What do you think the radical and regular experience of being welcomed by God could do for us and for our neighbors in a time of division and in a culture of building walls? Will we let God welcome us into his presence again this morning? And you are here, so you are already doing this. Keep up the good work. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.